<laughs> good morning, City Church. So good to be here with you. Glad you decided to join us. Thank you for choosing to spend your morning with us. Uh, it's such a privilege to have you, to be together. Isn't it good to be together at church? It's a good thing. So we're glad that you're here. Hey, before we get started with the word today, I want to just say a quick word of honor toward our lead pastors, Pastor Brent and Nicole. They are an amazing two people who have made such a difference in my life on a personal level and in the church. Personally speaking, I would not be who I am without their love and their support. And this church wouldn't be where it's at with, without their faithfulness and without their consistency. So can we just give a quick hand to our lead pastors? Pastor Brent and Nicole are on vacation, a well-deserved vacation. Um, Pastor Brent will be back next week, but for now, you're stuck with me. <laughs> but we're gonna have a good time. Um, as Pastor Brent mentioned, I am newly married. Um, been married for almost two months, okay? So, it's, it's fresh. Now, if you haven't met my wife, her name is Ruth, and she's sitting right here in the front row. She won't like that I'm pointing her out like this, but I think it's important that you meet her. I think you should meet her. If you haven't met her already, make sure you say hello. If you meet her, you will love her. I'm convinced of that. Um, everyone who meets her says how great she is, and she just has that kind of that personality to her. So make sure you say hello if you haven't already. In fact, Pastor Brent mentioned to me at one point when we were kind of getting ready to, to step into uh, church together, Pastor Brent said to me, I just want you to be prepared, Michael, because at some point, Ruth is going to meet all these people, and people are going to love her, and eventually, there are going to be some people who love her more than they love you. <laughs> and it's true. It's already true. I know this is true, because students have told me this. <laughs> but it's great. It's great. I understand. Ruth is, Ruth is amazing. But um, it's so good to have her as a partner in my life, in all areas of my life, but Especially in ministry, I think it's so helpful, so great to have her just kind of on my side and, and helping uh, lead these students, your students, through ministry. Um, this past Friday, we had our all-nighter event, and I have a few photos that I want to just throw up, if we can. Um, we had our all-nighter on Friday, and uh, it went into Saturday morning, and so um, having Ruth with us throughout the whole day was a huge help. I remember doing this as a leader a couple years back, and it's different now when I'm a little bit older. Um, I found it a little hard to stay up, but the students had a great time, um, and Ruth was a huge help throughout all of that. Now, I just want to mention, if you have a student grade 6 through grade 12, uh, we have City Youth every Friday, and we encourage you to bring those students out, because if our all-nighter showed us anything, it's that community really matters. There's something really special about the students being together and just building relationships with one another. There's something weird that happens when everyone is awake at 4 a.m. and just playing silly Nerf games, you know? That community is really special. So I encourage you, this Friday, we have another event, Friday at 7 p.m. If you have a student in those grades, bring them out. We got a whole uh, summer still left to do, all right? Cool, well, uh, as Pastor Brent, Mentioned, um, I'm the youth director here at the church, and so I want to share a quick word with you. Uh, if you're taking notes today, you can write this as a title. My title is Too Busy to Sit. 
too busy to sit. All right? Let's just pray before we begin. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I pray that you would speak to us today. We're going to dive into your word, God, and I pray that those words would come to life for us this morning, God. Please speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, when Ruth and I were dating, we dated for about a year, and I may have mentioned this the last time I was up here, but we, live, we lived over an hour away from each other, which I know, like, for some of you isn't that long, isn't that far. Some of you drive an hour just to be here at church, and we appreciate that. Um, but personally, I don't like driving all that much. I'd rather not drive at all, but we have to do that sometimes, and so driving an hour over an hour to see her. It was always like, oh, I don't want to drive, but it was always worth it. It was always worth it. And one of the things I love about being married to Ruth is that I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't have to drive an hour to see her. She's, she's there. She's just right there with me all the time. And I love it. And so being married is amazing. I love it. But there's also some, there's some challenges with being married. If anyone's here is married, you know this. There are challenges. And I know we're early on, but um, there's some things, and we even learned this in premarital counseling. We learned that there are things that we do um, on our own that when you enter into a marriage, that person also does things on their own that they're just used to doing. And when those two things collide, you realize that, oh, I don't, I don't like what they're doing. Or you realize, like, this thing that I'm doing, it's, it's bothering this person. And so you have to make some adjustments a little bit. And so we are aware of this and just kind of trying to build that kind of relationship. And so what Ruth and I decided to do um, heading into our marriage is that every week in our marriage, we do this on Saturday, we have something we call a marriage check-in. And so what we do is we just spend a few minutes looking at the previous week that just went by and looking ahead to the next week through the lens of our marriage. So we just see like what, what happened last week? Um, is there anything that we need to talk about, need to, to bring up and what's happening next week? What do we need to talk about? That kind of stuff. And so I remember this one time, um, it was a few weeks ago, we had our marriage check-in and Ruth brought something up to me that didn't sit well with her. She didn't like this. This is something that I did. And so it was one evening, it was after dinner. Um, we were at home together and I was there, obviously, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean? My mind was somewhere else. And I do this, I'm aware of this in my own personality. I think too much, I'm in my head way too often. And so my mind was somewhere else. I wasn't present in that moment. My mind, more specifically, was at work. It was a busy day, I mean, you know how it is. There's a lot to do, there's a lot going on. I didn't get as much done as I wanted to. And so I had mentally and literally brought some work home with me. And so there was a moment after dinner where I was catching up on some, on some work. And I can see some, from some of your faces that you realize this is a really bad idea. And I know this, but this is something that I did. This is one of those examples that something that I would do even when I, when I was not married, um, sometimes I would bring work home with me and I would catch up a little bit at home. And when I was alone, that's not really a big deal. You know, I'm just catching up on some work. It doesn't seem like a big deal at least. But in the context of living with another person, it doesn't work out so well. And so um, Ruth brought this up during our check-in and just said, she said something to me that, that stuck with me. She said, at that moment when you were working and we were at home, she said, you you seemed like you were busy 
and you were unavailable in a time that I needed you. And I look back on that, and as I reflected on that, I realized how, how harmful that is, because I let, my, I let my work get into my relationship with my wife. I let my work distract me from my wife. And I realized that she just wanted to, to spend time with me, but I was too busy to see it. I was too busy to, to recognize that. I was too caught up in the things that I was doing. I was distracted by my work. I was distracted by who I needed to spend time with. I was too busy to realize what or who really mattered in that moment. But I think on some level, we've all been there in different ways. We've all been caught up in the things that we're doing, the things that we're thinking about. Have you ever been so busy that you lose sight of what's around you? Have you ever been so caught up in your priorities, your to-do list, the tasks that you have to, to do? We all have things that we have to do. And consider for yourself today, what are your priorities in this season of your life? What is most important to you right now? This is different for all of us at different stages of life, but what are your priorities? If you don't know what they are, then they will be decided for you, right? And so. What are the things that are most important to you? How available are you to the people in your life that need you? Because if you don't think about this, if you're not intentional with this, then your life will be filled up with things that maybe don't really matter. And so everyone claims to be busy. Everyone claims to be busy. No matter what stage of life you're in, you can make an excuse for being busy. I was talking to a junior high student last week um, and I was like, hey, how, how's it going? How you doing? He was like, good, good. I could tell he was tired. And he said, I'm busy. And I was thinking like, you're a junior high student and it's summer. What do you mean it's, you're busy? <laughs> but he was so tired. He was so exhausted. So I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing that's making you busy? He was like, yeah, I was up till 4 a.m. playing Roblox. <laughs> I don't even know what Roblox is, but he was up till 4 a.m. doing it for some reason. It must be good. Um, but he, was, he says he was busy. He made that excuse. High school students are busy with their projects, with their homework, right? That they say takes over their life. Uh, college students and university students are busy because they realize the high school students had it easy and the real schoolwork begins when you enter college or university. And some of them have to work. So they are busy. Single people are busy with their jobs and their overcrowded social lives. Married people tell single people to enjoy their freedom while it lasts. Because once you get married, that is when the busyness really kicks in. And then every parent in the room is thinking this. <laughs> you don't know what busy is until you have kids. <laughs> so we all claim to be busy, right? We can all make an excuse to, to, to be busy. But what is this? We, I think we love it to some level. We love to be busy. We love to be busy. And I want to be clear. Um, I'm not condemning busyness as a whole. To be busy is not necessarily bad. But there's a certain kind of busy that I want to address. We love to be busy because it does something for us, if we're honest. I think if we're busy, we feel important. If we're busy, we feel needed. If we have our time um, to, 
spent on things and on people and on, on tasks. We get caught up in those things. We realize that someone needs us. We realize that we are needed somewhere. And if we're needed, this is good for us. If we're needed, it means um, I'm not useless. I actually have a purpose. That's maybe what we can tell ourselves. And so when we're not busy, this is for me as well, if I'm not busy, if I don't have anything to do, I feel kind of useless. And I feel like, hey, why am I here? What am I doing? Um, And so when we're busy, we might get like a, an inflated sense of self-worth because we're, we're doing things, we're, we're busy, people need us, there's something that we can do. But there's also like a cultural shift I'm noticing in, in this idea of what makes a person matter, what makes a person important. Now it's not so much the things you have, the money that you have. Right now it's, I feel like it's the availability of a person. If you spend your time working and your, your schedule is packed, it's, it's how much work you do, it's how busy you are that, that determines how important you are. It's the people that have a real lack of leisure time that are seen as the higher ups. The people who um, just work and work and work. And if you have time, if you take a day off, if you take vacation, some people might look at you and think, that person might, must be weak. That person must be weak. I haven't taken a day off in 73 years. That's how important I am. That's how good I am. And so we might look down on people who might want to take a break. And so we just value busyness. We value this kind of, this, this importance that's, that's bred into the busyness of our schedule and our lives. But I'm wondering for us, is it worth it? Is this busyness worth it? Is it worth the, the so-called inflated sense of self-worth? Is it worth the status that it brings, the false status that it brings. I'm not sure it is, and I want us to consider that today. Is it worth what we're doing? Because if we're honest, if if we really look at it, our busyness can cost us in our relationships with one another. Our busyness can cost us because your connection to other people is largely dependent on your availability towards them. Have you ever approached someone, wanted to ask someone something, wanted to do something with someone, So you sent out an invitation and they said, not now, I'm busy. Not now, I'm busy. Not today, I'm busy. Maybe later. Take a rain check, maybe next week. Not now, I'm busy. If you constantly extend that invitation towards that person, and that person always says, not now, I'm busy. Not now, I'm busy. Not today, maybe later. Eventually, you'll just be like, forget it. I'll move on. Obviously, this person doesn't want my time. And so I'm wondering, what what are we doing with our lives? What is the things that is that is taking up our time. Again, busy isn't necessarily bad, but if we're not careful, we can quickly crowd our lives with things that don't matter. We can become distracted by the things in our lives because especially today, it's easy to fill your life with things to do, with things to think about. And you can just forget about being intentional with the people in your life, with your relationships. You can easily miss this if we're not intentional. So that's the call for us today is to be intentional because your relationship with other people might be harmed in the, in the sea of busyness that you, that you face. And so a crowded life, if you let your life be crowded, a crowded life is a bad kind of busy life. And a bad kind of busy, not busy life cuts off your connection to other people. Now here's the really important part. 
Okay, and here's where we're going for the next few minutes. Not only can a crowded, busy life cut off your connection to other people, it can, if you let it, it can cut off your connection to God. So I want us to take an honest look at ourselves, an honest look at our lives, at our schedules, at our priorities, at the tasks that we have to do, our day-to-day responsibilities. And I want us to ask ourselves this question honestly. Are we too busy for God? Are we too busy for God? Think about it. If you don't have time because you're doing things, you're too busy doing things to spend time with the people in your life, to give the people in your life the attention they deserve, How are you going to make room for God? Are you too busy for God in this season of your life? Now, thankfully, we're not the first first group of people to deal with this dilemma. We're not just because we're technologically advanced. It doesn't mean we're the first people to think about this or consider this question. I want us to read something in the New Testament. Um, This is a a short little story, uh, a scene where Jesus um, enters the home of, of two people and This is a very short scene, there's only a few verses, but I I really like paying attention to these short sections of scripture. Because there's a lot of bigger sections in the New Testament of what Jesus did, and those get a lot of attention. Um, But I'm drawn to the smaller accounts of Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus did a lot of things. Jesus did so much more than what we can read about in the Bible. In fact, John writes in his gospel that if everything Jesus did was written down, the world wouldn't have enough space to contain all the books that would be written. Jesus did a lot of things. And so when a small account like this is written and included, we gotta pay attention to it. We should pay attention to all the things that Jesus did and said, but the gospel writer could have excluded this story. He could have just left this out, but there's a reason he left it in. So I want us to take a look at this together. This is in uh, Luke chapter 10. Starting at verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, you may have read this scene before, and I want to be honest with you, as I read this, I am immediately on Martha's side when it comes to the situation. Martha invited Jesus into her home, and what does Martha do? She acts as a good host, and she prepares a meal for Jesus. She does the work, while Mary sits on the floor and just listens to Jesus. And so as I read this on surface level, maybe you would relate to this, I'm immediately on Martha's side, because Martha's the one doing the work, while Mary sits and listens to Jesus and just watches while Mary does the work. But I want us to think about this from a, from a different perspective a little bit, um, we have some, some props on the stage. I asked Ruth to help me with this, to set this up, to look a little bit like a kitchen, to look a little bit like a living room. And so I'm thankful for her for setting that up. I would not have been able to do this and make it look anyway decent. Um, also, shout out to our production team for carrying this stuff out. I made them work. <laughs> so thank you guys, you guys killed it. Um, 
But just consider this, that, that Martha invites Jesus into her home, her, her home, okay? And so she invites Jesus in, and Jesus takes a seat in the living room, as he should. He's the guest of honor, not just any guest of honor, but he's the son of God entering her home. And so Jesus takes a seat. Mary's around doing nothing, probably, and eventually Mary sits down in front of Jesus. And so Martha heads to the kitchen to prepare. Martha heads to the kitchen to begin preparing the meal for Jesus, to begin preparing um, the, the evening that is ahead of them. And so she's working, she's working, she's working, um, and eventually she just looks over at Mary, and maybe she considers that maybe Mary will eventually get up. Maybe Mary's just catching up a little bit with Jesus, and maybe she'll get up eventually and help me. But as time goes on, she continues to work. She continues to prepare. And still, Mary's doing nothing. She's just sitting there. And so I wonder if you ever, like, if you notice that someone's not doing something when they should be doing something, and you think maybe they'll pick it up eventually. Maybe they'll realize that they should, they should move. They should do something. But eventually the, her frustration, I imagine, is growing as time goes by because she's continually not doing anything. So eventually, this is what Martha does. She walks over to where Jesus is. She walks over to Mary. She doesn't look at Mary. She looks at Jesus, and she says to Jesus, Jesus, would you tell my sister to get up and do something? Have you ever, have you ever done this? <laughs> have you ever talked about someone, not to their face, while they were in the room, but to someone else? <laughs> it's passive aggressive, if we're honest. And I think that's why I like the story so much. I think I relate to this. But um, she said to Jesus, would you please tell my sister to get up and do something. Look at me, I'm working, I'm I need some help, Jesus. And Jesus says, he flips the story a little bit and he says, actually, Martha, Mary is doing what is better. Mary is doing the better thing. But as we look at the story, what is Mary doing? If I'm honest and I'm reading the story, I don't think she's doing anything. She's just sitting on the ground while Martha does all the work. But this thing, Mary, I think, realized that there's, there's a power and there's an importance in sitting in the presence of Jesus. There's a power in just being with Jesus, a power that is sometimes greater than the power of the work that we do, the power of, of serving, the power of accomplishing things even for God. There's a greater power sometimes in just being in the presence of Jesus, and as I think about this word presence, I think about, I think about youth ministry. I think how important it is just to be in the presence of a student, to just have a conversation with that student and learn about their life, learn about what, what is troubling them, what is making them happy in this season of, of their life. There's a lot to do in youth ministry. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of things to prepare for, but there's a great importance, a great power in just sitting with a student and talking to them. Now, what would it look like if on a Friday night I saw a leader sitting with a student talking to them, and I walked up to that leader and I said to them, hey, can you get up and do something? How ridiculous would that, would that be? That's insane. They're already doing the work. They're doing the good thing by spending time with that student and talking to that student. Presence matters. Now, this isn't to say that acts of service, doing work is a bad thing. That's not what Jesus is saying here. In fact, immediately before this, this scene where Jesus walks into the home, um, there's a parable. Jesus tells a parable, and this is a more famous 
parable that you've all heard. Even if you've never read the Bible, you know what a good Samaritan is. And Jesus tells this parable of the good Samaritan. And basically what he says, um, a man asks him, um, what does it mean to love God? And so Jesus answers, you must love your neighbor. And this man asks, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus answers with a story. He tells a parable. And basically Jesus says that if you want to show that you love God, you must love other people around you. And in order to show that you love other people around you, you must go and show kindness. You must go and show mercy. You must go and do something about it. If you really love other people, if you say you love God, you gotta show it by doing something towards other people. There's some action involved. We can't just sit around and do nothing and claim that we love others and claim that we love God. We have to go out and do something. And then immediately after that, after Jesus is done telling that parable, we read about Jesus entering the home of Mary and Martha where he commends Mary for sitting at his feet doing nothing while her sister does all the work. So I'm wondering, is Jesus confused? I don't think so. I think this is a deliberate placement of stories, of narratives, and I think Jesus is trying to teach us something. I think Jesus is trying to teach us something about our priorities in life. What matters more, the work we do for God or the time we spend with God? What matters more? Both of them are important. We need both of these things. But timing is everything. There's a time for everything. There's a time to sit. There's a time to stand. There's a time to rest. There's a time to work. There is a time for everything. And these two sisters, Mary and Martha, they have different personalities. And we can see that work out in this, in this scene. We can see that work out in their relationship. And just like two sisters should fortify each other in their relationship, we need to have a proper balance of sitting and standing. We need to have a proper balance of resting and serving. But timing is everything. One must come before the other. Mary chose to sit in the presence of Jesus. Both Mary and Martha realized that the Son of God was entering their home, and they understand the significance of that. Martha decided to prepare food for her, to, to go to work for him. He she decided to just work and work and prepare something for Jesus. Mary decided, I'm just going to sit in his presence. I'm just going to take a moment to sit in his presence right now. And what does Jesus say? Jesus, Jesus says to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary is doing the one thing that is needed. Mary is doing the thing that Martha is not doing. And I wonder if Martha had decided to first spend time in the presence of Jesus, would she be as worried or upset about the many things that she was? If she had decided to first go to the feet of Jesus, spend time with her Savior, with the Son of God, would the things that she's worried about be as concerning to her? Mary chose what is better. And I wonder too, what was, what was Jesus saying? What was Jesus saying to Mary? I'm not so sure. We, we don't know because it's not, it's not stated. And I don't think it matters because it's not stated. If we needed to know, um, it would have been in there. But I, I, it's just something I think about. It's something that I'm interested in thinking about. What was Jesus saying to Mary? I'm sure whatever it was, it would change her life. Don't you think that Mary, sitting in the presence of Jesus, speaking to Jesus, don't you think 
that she would have been changed after that encounter? Just listening to the Son of God speak to her. Wouldn't she walk away from that differently? We don't know what Jesus was saying, and Martha also probably doesn't know what Jesus was saying, because Martha was in a different room than Jesus. And so I wonder what Jesus is saying to us. I wonder what Jesus is saying to you today. What is he speaking to you that you can't hear because you're in a different room than Jesus? What is he saying to you that you can't hear, that you can't understand because you're too busy in the kitchen while Jesus is in the living room? I wonder what he's saying to you today. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, being in his presence, that is the place of learning. This is what Mary understood. This is the place of learning at the feet of Jesus. From this position, she can then, we can then go out, get up and do something about it. We can get up and do something, but first, we have to learn. First, we have to take in what Jesus has to say to us. If we don't do that, then we won't, we'll just be running on empty. The thing about sitting is, if we all sit, if all of us sit down, then we're all even. If we all were to sit at the feet of Jesus, then we would all be even. Because if we sit, we all sit. But if one of us stands up, I could stand up and then look down on the people that are sitting. Like you're still sitting, I'm standing up, I'm doing the work, I'm in the kitchen, changing the world. But we can't, we can't change the world. That's the power of God that can do that. And in order to access the power of God, in order to tune in with the power of God, we need to first sit in his presence. We need to be in the presence of Jesus. So don't miss Jesus. Don't miss him, he's here. He's in your home. He's in your life. Don't miss where he is because you're too busy doing things, because you're too distracted by the things that you have to do. So what's the point of all this? If you missed any of this so far, don't miss this point, okay? We should never let our service distract us from our savior. Don't let your service, don't let your service distract you from your savior. What is your service? Your service is the things that you do, the responsibilities that you have, the tasks that you have. Don't let those things distract you from your savior. All those things that you have to do, you have to do them. You all have responsibilities that you can't just let go, but don't let those things distract you from the one that you were called to spend time with, that you were called to learn from. He is the one that can fuel you, fuel you in order to accomplish these things and accomplish them better and change the world around you, change your community. So don't let your service distract you from your savior. I wanna read one more scripture for you. This is found in Psalm 27. And this is the message paraphrase. It says this, I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I will contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world, the perfect getaway far from the buzz of traffic. David and Mary, they were in sync here. They understood the same thing. They understood what we need desperately to understand in our own lives today. This world is, is busy, it is crazy, it is chaotic, and the only, the only true escape from it is in the presence of Jesus. Now we can say that, we can think that, and that's a good thought, but what happens on Monday when 
you have your things come up and your, your tasks that you have to do and your kids are screaming and all this. There's so much to do, I know. But we have to understand that to be in the presence of Jesus will help us to accomplish these things. And if we ignore the presence of Jesus, we will get swamped. We will get overthrown with the different things that we have to do. So how do we do this? How do we not allow our service to distract our Savior when we can't let go of our service? You can't just forget about your responsibilities. You have a lot to do. So how do you do this? I want to suggest something to you, something that I've been practicing for a little bit, trying to do this on and off. Um, but I want us to practice this together. And this is the art of silence and stillness. Silence and stillness. I want us to practice this this week. I want to be specific too. Why don't you, for the next seven days, spend two minutes during your day just practicing being silent and still in the presence of Jesus. Not just silent and still for the sake of it, but silence, silent and still so that you can hear from Jesus, so that you can receive a word from Jesus. This can add on to your prayer time, your devotional time, whatever you might do. But I wanna challenge you at first, before you even do that, to spend two minutes, just two minutes, being silent and still before Jesus, allowing God to speak to you. So just say, Jesus, I'm here. Would you speak to me? And then listen for his voice. What matters more, the words you say to God or the words God says to you? We have to be able to, to listen. We have to be able and willing to receive the words that God has to say to us. When you do this, when you do this, I know it's hard because you have so much to do. And you're so busy, there's so many things to take care of, but there are 1,440 minutes in a day. The challenge for us is just to spend two of them at the feet of Jesus, just two of them. Now this could look different for all of us. You could do this in the morning before you head to work. You could do this maybe on your lunch break. You could do this on your way home before you enter your house in your car. Just spend two minutes in the presence of Jesus and allow him to speak to you. By doing this, as weird as it might be, as weird as it might feel, it's gonna feel weird because we're not used to this. We, we like noise, we like busyness, we're drawn to things. We reach for our phone because we want something to do, we want something to look at, we want something to engage with. But to spend just two minutes in silence and stillness to allow God to speak to us is challenging if you don't do it. But you need to allow God to speak to you. And if you do this, you are actively choosing God. You are actively allowing God to be the center of your life. You're saying, God, I know I have a lot to do. I know there's a lot of responsibilities that are on my shoulders, but God, I'm just taking this moment to say that you are the center of everything in my life. You are everything to me, God. So would you speak to me in this moment? Would you show me something that I need to know? Show me something that I need to understand. Otherwise, if we don't do this, then we're just gonna continually be running around. We'll be running laps around the kitchen, trying to do work for Jesus, thinking that our performance determines the way God sees us. But if we think that our performance determines the way God sees us, then we have some growing up to do. We need to grow up a little bit in our faith if we think that our performance determines the way God sees us. God doesn't see us and judge us based off our performance. He, he loves you. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you not because of the work that you do, not because of the preparations that you make for him, but because 
of how good he is towards you. There are two groups of people here. There are people who don't know or don't believe that Jesus loves you. And there's another group of people that know that Jesus loves you, but need to be reminded of it. That summarizes all of us. Either you know it or you don't know it. If you do know it, you need to be reminded of it. And if you don't know it, if you don't believe that Jesus loves you, please hear me now. Jesus loves you. He made you. He created you. Jesus was with God because Jesus is God in the creation of everything. And so when we see Jesus on earth in ministry, that is God speaking to people, interacting with people, and that same God wants to interact with you and I today. He loves you. And if you, if you do know this, you might be thinking, this is too easy. This is too basic. The fact that Jesus loves me, yes, I know that. I know that. I know Jesus loves me. If you think maybe this is too basic for a sermon, might I challenge you to return to the feet of Jesus and just remind yourself how incredible it is that Jesus loves you. The fact that we are here on this earth, the fact that God created everything, God made everything, and God made this planet specifically, able for us to live on it, to do what we do, is an incredible, miraculous thing that only God could do. And he made you. He considered you before you were born. That's an amazing thing. If we're used to this idea, we need to return to the feet of Jesus. And if you're not sure about this, if you don't believe this, go to the feet of Jesus. Spend time with your Savior because he loves you and he needs you. He needs you to know that he loves you. And as we do this, as we spend time at the feet of Jesus, we are reminded of this. We are reminded of how deeply our God loves us. And it's from that point where we are fueled up and we are able to go out and love other people, where we are able to go out and do things for other people, where we are able to act as the Good Samaritan and to love other people well. But first, we need to understand that Jesus loves us. We need to see how well and how amazingly he loves us. We have to understand and really internalize just how much and how deeply he loves us. And now imagine, imagine if all of us, as a church, we, without a doubt, without any challenge in our mind, understood and believed that Jesus loves me. No matter what I do, no matter what I've done, he loves me and he sends me out to do things. Imagine if we were so full of God's love that we would take time to just be still and silent in the presence of Jesus. If we took that time, how full we would be that by the time we reach other people, we just say, man, I got to give you some of this. I got to show you some of this love because I'm so full of what God has given me that I got to extend some of it. It's just pouring out. Imagine what our lives would look like. Imagine what our workplaces would look like. Imagine what our homes would look like. Imagine what our city would look like if all of us were so full of the love of God that we couldn't help but extend it to other people. What would happen to us if we didn't allow our service to distract us from our Savior? What would happen if we didn't allow our responsibilities, the things that we have to do, to take away from our relationship with our Savior? I think if we committed to doing this, if we decided to do this for ourselves, then we would realize that there is a peace that is accessible to us. That even though we live in a crazy, chaotic, noisy world, 
there is peace available to us. There is a silence and there is a stillness available to us. And I think we would all agree that this world and our lives, we all need a little bit more of that. So let me just pray for you this morning. God, I thank you again for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, to um, just listen to your word, to hear what you have to say to us, God. We pray that you would help us to, this week, practice the art of silence and stillness. Help us to be still in your presence, God. Help us to consider your marvelous love for us, Jesus. You have done so much for us, God. Even though we are busy with things in our lives, we are busy doing tasks and and checking boxes. We just remind ourselves of how much you love us. We remind ourselves of how good you are, God. We just take a moment to rest in your presence, God. We thank you for who you are, who you are to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of you here might be hearing this for the first time, this idea that Jesus loves you, and you might think, oh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if he loves me because I'm, I'm me, and I've done things, and I do things, and I don't know if he loves me, but he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you more than anything. He doesn't want you to accomplish a bunch of things for him. He wants more than anything a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you, and maybe you're kind of gone off that track a little bit, like you used to You used to believe in God. You used to be on that road, but you've kind of stepped away a little bit. And maybe you're reminded today of how much God loves you. I want us to pray a prayer in a moment where we just accept the love of God. We we accept the message of Jesus. And either, if you've never done this before, you want to recommit to this. I want us all to pray this together as we allow Jesus to, to be the Lord over our lives. So can we pray again one more time? God, I thank you for your salvation Lord, I thank you for the message that you have extended to us. I thank you, Jesus, that you came down in human form so that you could die for our sins and be raised to life again, God. We acknowledge that. We believe that. We thank you for that today. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you want a relationship with us, God. I pray that anyone here who is kind of considering this for the first time, that they would take that step and they would just say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I accept your message of salvation, Jesus. I accept this gift that you have extended to us. And anyone who is maybe reconsidering this, who has stepped off the path and wants to come back to you, I pray that you would just show them that you have open arms, that you welcome them back lovingly. I pray that you would help all of us just to consider how great your love is for us. Again, we thank you for your salvation. We pray that you would begin our our road with you in a strong way, that we would continue to to grow closer to you each and every day, God. We thank you that as we step in faith into our journey with you, that you would love us, that you would walk with us, that you would give us wisdom to know where to go, and you would give us the strength to continue walking with you, God. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we all stand up together? We're going to sing one more song.